All right, so we're going to get started with a, a word of prayer, and we'll get into to class. Let's, throw, let's go to prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us, and we thank you for the opportunity we have, even though it's, it's distant, to get together and to worship you, to sing praises to you, to learn more about your word and to study your word, Lord. And I just ask that you be with all those out there who are currently either stuck in their homes or, or limited to what they can do, and just bless us as we, as we have our Bible class together this way, and just ask that you bless it, and, and it be something that people can use to go and take to, take to the world to bring people to you, Lord. Again, just ask that you pray for or be with all those who are affected by this virus right now, and we just ask you help those who are infected with it to recover quickly, and for us to be able to push past this quickly and get back to a little bit of normalcy, and it's in Christ that we pray. Amen. All right, so we've been looking at uh, dangerous prayers for the last three weeks, and we've gone through three different prayers. Uh, the first one was make me bold, which goes along the, the sense of, instead of kind of the idea of protect me and keep me safe, make me bold enough to go out and face those who, who might persecute me or who, who might be, you know, who might want to hurt me. But let me go out and, and, and take boldly the word of Christ uh, to, to people. The second one we looked at was speak to me, Lord. And the idea here is for us to kind of pause a little bit, stop. You know, when we pray a lot of times, it's just we're constantly, us constantly talking to God. And... Not, us not really taking the time to stop and actually listen to him and see what he has to say and let him speak into our lives and guide us that way. Last week we looked at Break My Heart, and the idea around that was for us to allow God to break our hearts in a way that we are heartbroken over the same things that, that he is. The things that bother God, that he, you know, he shows us that bother him, that those things bother us, and then we actually take action and do something to help try to correct those things or, or push to make those things better. And this week, we, got, we have three more that we're going to go through. Uh, this week, we are going to look at Search Me. And the idea around this is for us to bring, ask God to come in and actually search our hearts, search at who we are, look at who we are, and help guide us in a lot of the things. And as we, you'll see as we go through this, one of the things that we tend to do is we like to we can kind of kid ourselves a little bit or lie to ourselves or have us convince ourselves that things aren't certain ways or that we don't do certain things and the idea around this is for God to come in to, to, to come into our hearts and just show us the things that that we need to work on and, and the areas that well we may think we're okay but we're actually you know we need to improve on and we're going to start with and, and if anyone's familiar with this this passage you know I know Dad, when I mentioned it last week, he was like, are you going to talk about the, you know, the passage in Psalms? And this is kind of the, the, where this is going to go. We're going to pretty much spend our whole time here. But the idea is we're going to look at King, uh, David, King David. And when he wrote this uh, particular verse in Psalms, the thing that he had going on was there was a lot of people who were the enemies of God that were trying to come down and persecute on him. They were claiming things that were untrue about him, claiming that he wasn't faithful. And so, and what I like about this, and we'll, and we'll read this verse here in a second, what I like about this verse, most commonly if someone accuses you of something that you didn't do or false claims against you, 
you know, think about it for a second. What's your first reaction going to be? If someone accuses you of something you know you didn't do, more than likely you're going to be like, I didn't do that. I don't need to answer to you. I, I know what my... But David in Psalms, he writes this verse, or two verses in Psalms 139. And in it, in verse 139, or sorry, Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So if you look here, he kind of did the exact opposite of what we would normally do in a situation like this. If someone comes to us and accuses you of not doing something or, or, or of, of not being faithful or not being, you know, whatever, we're going to defend ourselves. We're going to say, you know what, I didn't do that. I don't have to answer to you. I don't have to do all these things. But instead, he goes to God and says, you know what, just in case, God, I want you to search me, test me, know my thoughts, point out anything that, that I'm doing wrong, and lead me the way I need to be led. And so this is a, this is a great example of asking God to bring in and, and to come in and, and search my heart. And, and the reason this is a dangerous prayer, like I talked about, is there's a lot of times, and I think this is why David wrote this psalm, is there's a lot of times that we convince ourselves or lie to ourselves or get ourselves in mind and heart in such a way where we don't really know or see a lot of things that we're doing wrong or that we have done wrong. So we're going to look at this in four sections. And the first one's going to be search my heart. So in Psalms, the first part of Psalms there in 23, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Why do you think that he would ask for people to, or for God, to search his heart, to search his actual heart? To help him purify, that's a good answer. Um, one of the things that we see, you know, a lot of common things is we'll think sometimes that people have good hearts. We'll say, well, that person's a good-hearted person. And, and I, I understand why we say those things sometimes, but in all reality, humankind and, and humanity, since the, since the Garden of Eden, their hearts have not been good. And, and we, well, we see that in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so there are, there are nice people out there. There's kind people out there. I think my daughter is one of them. Mine, mine and Helen's daughter. I think you, know, you could look at her and say, she has a kind heart. So she's a kind soul. But in the end, we're all sinners. We're all, you know, in, 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 the, in the heart of hearts, we're all going to do things that we shouldn't do. Okay. So like I said, we're going to look at four different areas of this, of this prayer. And that first one of search my heart. It's, you know, the human heart's not naturally good. It's deceptive. It lies. How many people out there, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see because I can't see you, but you can raise your hand if you've ever lied or ever told a lie. <laughs> right, everyone. We've all told lies. We all, we've all deceived people. We've all done things to try and convince people that something's not true or that maybe something we did was true or, or you know, all those type of things. The heart is deceptive 
by nature. We're, we, you know, you, you can see that in, in little kids sometimes. You know, you don't have to teach a little kid to lie sometimes. You ask them a question, and if they know they might get in trouble, you don't have to teach them to lie. They're going to naturally lie. It, it's, it's part of our, our hearts and who we are. So, but, but one of the most dangerous prayers, or I'm sorry, one of the most dangerous lies that we tell or, or speak about is the ones that we, we tell or, or lie to ourselves about. You know, things like, well, I don't drink too much, or, you know, smoking a cigarette here and there is not going not gonna to hurt me, or, you know, the, the thing of, you know, if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, oh, I can stop anytime I want to, or something that's unhealthy. You can see, yeah, I, I don't really have to go to church. Um, you know, I, I can stretch the truth. It's okay for me to be a little dishonest or, or to, you know, to stretch the truth a little bit about things and, and maybe make myself look good or, or the, you know, those type of things that we kind of do naturally as humans. Mine, and I'm, I'm telling on myself here, and Helen can agree, she will, is, you know, the fact that I'm pre-diabetic. I'm pre-diabetic, but I can keep eating this way because really I'll be all right, you know, and if I don't stop eventually I'm, you know, going to be full-blown diabetic and have to deal with all the answers. You know, but I can, I lie to myself and say, well, I can have this Coke or I can have this Dr. Pepper or I can eat this, this, this double cheeseburger and fries and it's not really going to affect me too much. I'll be okay. As long as I go and work out later, you know, they'll offset each other. So we, we convince ourselves of these lies and, and of these things. So the, the reason this is a dangerous prayer is do we really want God to search our hearts? <laughs> he knows our hearts, right? But one of our texts says that. Yeah. David starts out by saying, "Oh Lord, you have searched and me, and have, and you know me." Yes. So God's going to do it. I think there's two reasons, Chad, that that God needs to search human hearts, even Christians, especially Christians. One is because we have a tendency as human beings to justify things. Oh yeah. And and so. God searches our hearts to make sure we're not trying to justify our sins or whatever it is. And secondly, I think it goes to motivation. God's not only interested in what we do, but why we do it. Why we're doing and, it. And y'all know that, and you touched on this last week, there's a lot of people that go through the motions, but their heart's not in the right place. And Jesus condemns that. And I want to make sure that what I'm doing for God, I'm doing with the right motivation and not for some other reason. Exactly. And so that kind of goes through all the way through the, what I was going to point out here is we need God to, you know, I like the, the first part of the verse says, is God already knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows everything about us. But the, the reason we need God to search our hearts is for us, not for him, you know, because he already knows it. We, we need him to search our hearts because doing so, allowing him to come in, allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and search us allows him to correct us. If we do not allow and open ourselves up to the fact that we are not perfect or we're not doing things the way we should be and, and letting God search us, then that doesn't get a, give him the time to, to mold us and correct us and point us in the right direction and realize the things that we are doing wrong. So by doing this, this allows him to mold us. And you know, our, our ultimate goal is to be transformed into the image of Christ. And unless we let God into our hearts and let him expose who we are and the things that we kind of tend to 
um, you know, justify and, and make excuses for, unless we do that and really let him in, we're never going to reach that potential of being more like Christ. So the, the first thing he says is search me, or search my heart. The second thing he says here is reveal my fears. And, and, and he says that in this way. He says, search me, O God, in, in, in 23 of 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So when you think of anxiety or, or, or you know, when you think of anxiety, the other thing that goes along with that is fear, right? Usually if you're anxious about something, it's because of some sort of fear or something that's troubling or bothering you. So when I was going through this and, and I was looking, I did a little bit of research and I asked the question, what are you afraid of? And think about it for a minute. What is the number one thing that you're afraid of? Failure. That's actually number one on my list over here. So there was a public study done in, in 2019. I didn't have one for 2020 yet. Of the number one fear in 2019. And the number one fear of people in 2019 used to be public speaking was snakes. It was, it was listed number one. It was pretty high up there. The other things were high, heights, fear of heights, uh, going to the dentist. <laughs> Robbie said clowns. Yeah, Robbie is, <laughs> Robbie is afraid of clowns. We like to tag him in clown stuff on Facebook all the time. <laughs> but these aren't the type of, of things, you know, when, when, when David wrote this, these aren't the type of fears or anxieties that he's talking about. It's not, you know, Lord, you know, know my fear of spiders or know my fear of, of, of snakes or heights or clowns or those, those type of things. It's what Steve just mentioned, failure. Things like failure, rejection, success. Some people are actually afraid of success because of what, what sometimes what will come along with it. The unknown. People are afraid of those type of things. Loss. But here's the interesting thing, and this was a quote um, in this book, and, and it really kind of hit a little hard, I honestly think. But when it comes to all these things, and this is part of the reason, I think, why David asked God, you know, to search my heart, but then to look at, you know, look at my anxious thoughts, look at my fears, look at the things that... that because what we fear most reveres where we trust God the least. Yeah, it does. You know, uh, searching, that's the thing a lot of times we don't like to do. We don't like to, to look in the mirror and, and truly get that reveal of, of the type of person we can be. Because sometimes the person in the mirror can be a not-so-pretty person. Sometimes, and I'm not talking about physically. But what we fear most reveals where we trust God the least. And, I, and when I read that, I was like, man, that's kind of harsh, but I think there's truth to that. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Because... If we trust, truly trusted God in those areas, then they wouldn't, not to say we wouldn't fear them or, or have some concern about them, but maybe they wouldn't be the, the, lead to the anxiety or the, the, the whole just the fear that we see sometimes in people. And some of the examples that was written down is, you know, there's a lot of people who are afraid of losing their marriage or, or they're losing their spouse or, or being stuck in a, a, a kind of a dead marriage or, or a loveless marriage and stuff like that. 
And, and so they fear and they kind of obsess on those kind of things. Uh, some of the other things that we, you know, this one, I didn't really have a ton of concern about this one until she started driving, but losing a child, right? <laughs> you know, that, I know there's people who, who that's, that's an anxiety of theirs that they, they it's hard to let go. And, and that's common, you know, and, it's, and we can say, well, you know, that's a natural thing to do. You know, but if we truly trust God and understand, and this is one of those areas that was really hard for me because, when Kylie was younger, when she was with us or she was going with people that we trusted, you know, there wasn't that much of an anxiety around it. But then when she started to drive and then you saw and you drove with her, and then you're like, okay, well, you're 16, I'm giving you some keys, go out and drive by yourself. You know, they're, they're, for me, and Helen can tell you, I'm usually not a warrior, I'm usually not a, a person who gets really, really anxious about things like that. That really got to me because that really weighed on me a lot. But a lot of it is, is not going back and trusting God. Ride with her dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, she definitely, her driving skills definitely uh, did not come from me because I think she drives like five miles below the speed limit everywhere she goes. And, yeah, I'm trying to kill myself with this cord down here. I went ahead and unplugged it. Someone trip and fall. But, um... But she, you know, me, I drive, uh, I'm not going to lie, in church, uh, probably about 10, <laughs> 15 mile an hour of the speed limit everywhere I go. But uh, so she definitely did not, um, did not get the, her driving skills for me. But that was the thing that I had to eventually just, you know, and it's hard and it still it bothers me sometimes, but you've got to just let it go and, and get, put it in God's hands and, and trust that he is going to take care of those situations. See. Yeah. Away from you. Yep. You know, it's very different. So. It is. And you, you, and you feel that you've trusted them to make the right decisions and, and to do the things. But then, you know, Dad brought us up to do make the right decisions, and I still know some of the things that I went out and did, you know. What, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's that, human, that human nature. And so, the, the, you know, those, those can be um, another one that we can look at for, for some of our biggest fears. And this one's especially probably right now along with getting sick, but is losing our jobs. You know, there, there's a lot of financial stability, and especially from a, from a man's uh, or side of things. You know, a lot of our, ego, not ego, but our, a lot of our who we are and what makes us up is, is being able to support our families and, and, and those type of things. So, you know, those are some, some of the fears and anxieties that we have. But I, I want to go back to the fairy one that Steve mentioned, and, and as I went through this and, and was reading the prayer, it's actually mine and the, and the authors of this book kind of actually paralleled themselves a lot. And, and what was interesting is my biggest failure, the, one of the things that I've looked at, or I'm sorry, my biggest failure, my biggest fear is being a failure. And it's one of the things that, I, that I've looked at. And as I look back on a lot of things, I've always tried to be the best in everything I do. You know, we, well, we were taught that. We were always taught to give 100%. But I, a lot of the times when I look back and, and I look at a lot of the things that driven me and, and be, to be the person, I want to say, well, it's because I'm commanded to do that and I want to do that for God. But, 
But a lot of the times, if I go back and look at it, is, is you have such a fear of failure that you will push yourself as hard as you possibly can to not fail, you know, and to not look like your, your fear. And I can give you an example, like with the current events of everything that's going on, I try not to show it a lot, but, you know, we're, we're, you know, as being over the IT, where we're, all of us are doing these things, you know, we're broadcasting to, I think last week we hit a total of somewhere around 600 people. And so you're, you're, you stress out of, over the fact that, you know, what if something doesn't go right back there and we don't get all this, this, these messages out to everyone and you get all anxious and, and, and the fear there is of a failure, not of, you know, not of putting my faith in Christ and saying, okay, he, he's going to take care of this and do this. It's a fear of we're going to just let everyone down. We're not going to be able to get his message out. Instead of trusting him to get it done and make sure that everything works out right, there may be some issues. And so that's not healthy. You know? And you can see that there's, there's different fears that we all have that, that drive us. But the, the key here is, is our faith in God and what motivates us to do things for God shouldn't be out of a, a basis or, or a, a foundation in fear of something. Me having a fear of failure. You know, someone else having a fear of, you know, not being good enough or someone, you know, whatever the, the fear is that we have. So our drive to serve God should be out of faith and not fear. And he talks about this in, in 2 Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So our, our, our motivations and our other you know, if we, we need to make sure that our, that our fears and the things that, you know, our anxieties, that we let God look at these things and, and expose them in us a little bit. Show us, you know, is your fear of me because of your lack of faith in me? And if we can look at those, those type of things and we can find them and we can then rework them. So instead of being my fear of failure being what motivates me to do things or not looking or letting other people's down not, you know, move me to, to try to do things, it should be my faith in God wanting me to push myself to, to do his will, to do things for people. And so th there's, a, there's a parallel there that we've got to make sure that we're, we see ourselves in. Because sometimes our fears may drive us, and we think that we're doing the, the, the best thing we can for God when it's our fear driving us to do stuff for God instead of our faith driving us to do things for God. tells us that fear comes from Satan himself. Yep. And the only one we should fear is God. Yep. Song on Christian radio that talks about fear is my enemy. Yes. You know, put him behind me and stuff. So, yeah. Fear yeah, definitely is, you know, God, God you, or the devil uses fear to keep us from doing a lot of things. We, we let fear suppress our faith and, and keep us from doing the, the actions and a lot of the stuff that we, we, we should, be, should be doing out there. And John says perfect love or complete love casts out fear. Yes. So the more we can trust God, the more we love God, the more we submit to his will, the less fear we're going to yep. have. All right, so he talks about searching his heart, you know, revealing his anxious thoughts, his fears, the things that's going to hold him back. And then thirdly, uncover my sins. And if we look in Psalms, the verse 24 of 139, he says there in the start, see if there's any offensive way in me. Why do you think we need this prayer? Why do you think he prays this prayer here? 
We're sinners, right? And like I talked about earlier, we're sinners, and a lot of times we make excuses for our sins or we justify ourselves, or sometimes maybe we don't even realize what we're doing. You know, we've kind of convinced ourselves to the point where we, it's, a, it's acceptable, it's okay. You know, this really isn't a sin. It's kind of, you know, and so we, we, we do those type of things. So it's hard to see our own sins. It's, everywhere. it's easy to see everyone else's sins, right? And where everyone else is messed up. And I think sometimes, on a, on a side note with this, we get this way in the church sometimes, right? We've, we've, been, you know, we've grown up in the church or we've been in the church for a long time. So we've kinda, we get this a little bit of a self-righteous attitude maybe sometimes about things. And it's like, oh, well, I don't do this and we don't do that. And, and well, so-and-so down the street, they're, they're doing this. Or someone comes in who's a new Christian. And it's like, well, no, you can't be doing all these things. You've got to immediately turn yourself around and, and be like us. And so I think sometimes this is hard for us to, to, it is hard, not sometimes, it is hard for us to see ourselves and see our sins and, and accept who we are sometimes in the, in the mirror. And I think that's why if you look at Matthew 7, 5, he says, take the log from your own eye so you can see the speck in your brother's eye. And, and I think there's, go ahead, Steve. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Just yeah. basically, it's good to look at yourself and say, "Hey, look, you know what? I once in in Linda Church Christ, we were talking about sin and stuff, and this one lady rose her hand up and said, "Well, you know, we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't acknowledge that." I'm like, "Wait, whoa, no, no. When we start thinking we don't need to talk about sin and we don't need to acknowledge sin, is the wrong place to be because if you start thinking you're that good, and oh that yeah." Righteous, you don't need God anymore. And, and I'm going to, and to that point, one of the things I think that will help us grow the church more than anything, besides just going out and being evangelistic, is when we bring people in or we talk to people, we get rid of that, that little bit of, oh, well, I know these things. I've been a Christian a long time. That kind of attitude of, look, you know what? I'm just as messed up as you are, but I, I've got Christ. And that's the only difference between us. You know, we all have our, and so if we can do that, and that's why, but seeing our own sins is hard. Looking ourselves in the mirror and, and revealing the things that we do. We don't like to admit our, our failures, our mistakes, and, and the things. So there's three questions to kind of ask yourself as, as you're praying this prayer. And look at not only what does God speak to you and, 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 and show you, but the first one is what are others trying to tell me? Have you ever had a situation where you're doing something and you think it's perfectly fine, there's nothing wrong with it, but you have multiple people coming to you and saying, hey, you know, you probably should change this or, or you probably shouldn't do that. If you're praying this prayer or even if you're not praying this prayer and you still have that, listen to it. You know, because a lot of times we get defensive and, and we get, you know, our, we don't want our pride to be hurt. We don't want our egos to be hurt, those type of things. But if you have multiple people coming to you and saying, hey, you really need to work on this or, you know, you probably need to listen to them and see what they have to say about it. Because that may be God trying to, to speak into you through other people. The second question is, what have I rationalized for some time? Now, you, you think about things as, you know, what have I made okay in my mind that it's okay to do this because, you know, I, I'm okay. I can control myself. Or, you know, I can handle this. I can, I can push through that. What are the things that we've rationalized in our mind or justified 
that we can do or that it's okay for us to do? Yep. One of the things I hear a lot is that, well, everybody sins and God understands that and mine's not any worse than anybody else, you know, and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, and, that, and that's, I think, a big one is, you know, or it's not, you know, it's not one of the big sins, right? It's just a little a little thing. And so we try to justify it because, well, there's so-and-so, he's out there, he, he's doing a whole lot worse than I am, right? And, and so, you know, th- this is one of those things that we've got to make sure that we do not rationalize and, and make excuses for, the, for our sins or, or the things that we're doing in our life. And the third one, and this is where I, I find mine the most. Helen's laughing. <laughs> where am I most offensive? This, this is the one with me. You know, if you find yourself being really defensive about something, you know, a lot of times you need to look at that, re- reevaluate that situation. And I'm going to use an example here in a minute. But a lot of us, you know, someone will go to talk to us about something, we'll almost just immediately shut down and be like, no, no, this, is, no, this isn't a problem. No, you know, it's you, not me. It's, you know, what all these things. And... And so I'm going to use an example. I'm kind of throwing my bus under, uh, myself under the bus a lot with, with this one, but I, I wanted to use examples. One of the things that I do when I get really frustrated is I, I tend to just speak my mind immediately and, 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 and say things I shouldn't say. And so me and Helen, I did that one time, and me and Helen were having a conversation about it, and she basically told me the truth and said, you were wrong, you shouldn't have done that. And I was like, no, I had every right to, to say that. I had every right to do that. And it got to the point, I think we were probably 30 minutes into me being just as stubborn as can be, where I'm finally to the point, I realized how just idiotic I really I was being and how stubborn I was being to the fact that I just started laughing because I'm, trying, I'm still trying to justify myself. I'm still trying to do it, and I'm still laughing about it. And finally, Helen's like, you see what I'm saying, don't you? And, and, you know, it took me 30 minutes to, to give in and say, yeah, but... But this is one of those areas that, you know, I've learned if I get really defensive real quickly, then maybe I need to reevaluate, you know, why am I getting so defensive so fast? Why is this bothering me so much that, you know, I'm willing to, to just, you know, you know, not give in to it at all? You know, maybe I, I need to, to reevaluate. And I think that if we go back all the way back to the beginning, that's what David was doing here as well. You know, David knew he wasn't doing anything wrong. And he knew his critics and the people that were attacking him were wrong, but he still went through the process anyways. I said, you know what? Let's go through this and, and make sure. Let's just double-check. God, sh- expose me, show me, make sure that I am not doing anything that I shouldn't, be do, shouldn't do. So under, uncover my sins. Let God show you the things that are sinful in your life. And then this is where we get to the reason we need to do this is because then this is, this is where we confess those sins to God. God already knows them. Like we talked about, God already knows our heart. God already knows what we're doing. But the whole process is in that we confess those sins. And then the flip side of that too, which we're, we're commanded to do, is we need to confess those sins to one another. It, it doesn't really do you a lot of good if you're, you're in a sin or you expose yourself or God exposes yourself to, to something and, and you confess that sin to God. That's a good thing, and we need to do that. But there's a reason why he asks us to confess our sins to each other. The reason for doing that, you know, it doesn't have to be in a large-scale show. I, you know, I don't have to get up here and confess everything I've done wrong to everyone in the world. 
This is something you can do in a, in a small group or something you can do just with, a, with close friends. But that confess those sins to one another. That way, when you can use, you basically help each other hold you accountable, right? You, you, you expose yourself. You say, look, this is something I'm struggling with. I need your help with that. So not only do you have God, you're confessing that sin to God, but you're also confessing that sin to one another so one another can build us up. problem we have sometimes is we confess that sin to one another, and then before we're done eating lunch that afternoon, everyone in the church knows. <laughs> or it's, you know, on social media, you know, we need to make sure that we're using this in a proper context of if I go to someone and that person doesn't use it as a, a way to gossip about me, but that person uses it as a way to help me out, to you know, keep me accountable, yes, but to help us each other grow in the church. And those are one of those areas that was in. And that's why I got a note down here that said to grow the church. And I think this is one of the things that if we were to practice on a large scale would help grow the church faster than anything. Because when, when the people outside our four walls realize, look, these guys struggle with these same things. They're an imperfect people. The only thing they have is, is a hope and a, and a Savior. And they, 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 we see them and that when we invite them and we talk to them and we have those conversations with them and it's not a, well, I don't do this, you do this, you need to get right you know, type of thing. When it's a, look, you know what, I struggle with that sin myself too. Or I, I struggle with this over here. You know, this is what I've done to, to help myself or to help, you know, lift myself up and to, to not do these things. Or, or I've got so-and-so in my small group or, or in this or my friend over here who's a Christian who helps me, keeps me accountable so I don't do these things. If we approach it like that, I think that would make a huge difference on people's willingness to come into their church, their fear of the church sometime, and the people of the church. Because it can be intimidating if you're standing outside the church building or out in the world, and you see a group of people who, by all appearances, well, they just seem like they're a perfect group of people and they got it all together, you know? <clears throat> and so sometimes I think when we put on that, that, that air of, yes, we're, we've got it all together and we're good, I think that harms us sometimes more. Now, I'm not saying go out and sin blatantly and say, oh, look, you know, look what I do. I'm just, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not talking about that, but we're talking about exposing ourselves to people to, so they can see that, you know, we're not perfect either, we're, we're just trying, and we, and we have the, someone over here who saves us, and that's the only difference between me and you. But, and, and there's a lot of things that, that can be sinful that we need to uncover. Pride is one of them. ...that we had with Kylie about anxieties and, and stuff in today's world where we tried to explain to her that, you know, real, you know, anxiety is such a common word now, but, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you never heard it. Yeah. You know, people didn't address mental health in any way, shape, or form. You had an entire society that just never discussed it, never talked about it, never said, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I'm, you know, or whatever. And now that, it, you know, people are starting to do that, you have tons of different, you know, yeah. um, disorders and struggles, and you hear people talk about it, and it's a relatively new thing. You know, but with us growing up, you know, no one, especially in the church, no one ever talked about struggling or depression or any sort of anxiety, and now it's, you know, very common. And it, had people talked about it before, I think it would have been a different ballgame. I agree with that because I think one of the things that's happened in the church was if you if you struggled with anxiety or depression or or certain mental illnesses, well then you just weren't you you weren't faithful enough, right? You weren't really putting your trust in God. And so, as we've kind of learned and exposed this thing, and one of the things that's been interesting about teaching the the, the high school class on Wednesday nights is 
they let you know they are exposed to things that I you know I I graduated 20 years ago and so it's not been a real long time but you look in that 20 year time span and you look at the things I was exposed to in high school and you look at the things that they're exposed to in middle and high school and, and it's you, you sometimes wonder it's like no wonder why they have anxiety issues and and different things because there's a, some there's several sides that one the world the world has gotten further and further away or the the country and, and the world's gotten for it seems to have gotten further and further away from christ in, in our schools and in our families and those type of things and so that that leans to it also but also the other side you have is social media right you have you're you're just everything's coming at you all the time and, and the body's just not designed to to handle that kind of information and those type of that stimulus all the time and so so yeah so it, it there that is one of those things that you know that leads to to those type of anxieties and and the the sinfulness, uh, but pride, materialism, lust, addiction, gossip, critical spirit, disobeying those are some of the things that we need to look at and and uh, and, and kind of expose yourself to and say, do I do these things, and and let God work through you to to show you those things, and so all three of these you know and as He walks through this prayer, all three of these things leads to the last thing which we all need to do. And that last part of that prayer is lead me. So search me, see my heart, you know, expose my fears that, that, that keep me from being faithful to you, uncover my sins that, that, that get in my way and hinder my walk. And after I do all these things, lead me. So if you look in verse 24, he, points, he said, point out anything in me that offends you, this is the NIV version. I switched to this. I like this, this version a little bit better here. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And that's kind of the ultimate reason for doing this prayer. This prayer isn't for God. right? He, like we talked about in the beginning, He knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows everything we've done. The point here is we need to make sure that we are constantly, ourselves and God, searching our hearts, looking at our fears, what's keeping us from being faithful. Then reveal your sins. Have Him show your sins to Him so then you can confess those sins and work on them and expose those sins of things that you need to get out and, and that's keeping you from being faithful as, as well. And then ultimately the whole line here is just stop lying to yourself about all this stuff. Confess it to God. Let God work on it. And let him lead you. He's going to, if you, if you really open your heart up and you open your, yourself up to God and the things that he can do, he is going to lead you in the, in the right direction. And I think sometimes, and, and, I, and I comment on this a lot, because, but I think this is one of the, one of the main, one of, a large problem, let me say it this way, that we have sometimes in the church, is we have learned all, and I talked about this a little bit last week, we've learned all the, not, not legalistic things, but the, the knowledge of the Bible, right? We, we know what the Bible says. We know how to do, you know, we know, da, 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 da. We have all these things lined up. We're really good at, at seeing Scripture and talking about Scripture. But a lot of the times, we really haven't let God, God into our hearts. And we, we've kind of got this, you know, we're very knowledgeable, but we really haven't done anything sometimes with that knowledge of bringing it in and letting God, you know, and I don't know, maybe sometimes we, we, we don't like to talk about this because it, it like I talk about sometimes with the Holy Spirit, it gets more into the supernatural side. But, but, you know, in the end, if you really look at it, God is supernatural, right? 
<laughs> you know? And so we've, we've got to learn to be, you know, to really let God into our hearts. I think some of us haven't done that, or we haven't done it to the extent that we should, because we've focused on all the things we think we, we should do, or so, so the things that we know we should do, and we, and we kind of do those things, and we do those things almost mil, in a, in a military, can't say the word, military-like way, <laughs> militant way, thank you. And, and we commit to this, and that's good because we do need to do the things that we, but we've all, we, sometimes we don't have the, the heart side of it there. Where, where God, you know, we, we need to ask God into our heart and really let him show us what we need to do. And I, I think if we do that, and that's why a lot of these prayers sometimes are, are so different, difficult and, and dangerous. When I say, as we talked about with dangerous, dangerous to ourselves, because it's going to lead us down a different path than what we would normally naturally go through. Our normal, our normal direction is going to try to be safe, not, let, not expose ourselves to anything that might hurt us or where we might fail or where we might have issues here. But the one thing I've always seen, no matter what, and it doesn't matter if it's the church or a business or, or anything, you do not grow as a person, as a church, as anything, unless you fail. Some people are thinking about that one. I, I, let me say, let me reword that. You, you can grow without failure, but I'm telling you, failure is the best teacher many, many times. And so you can grow a church if you kind of do the basic things. You kind of do, you know, the, the safe things and, and go out and not really expose yourself too much. I've seen that. We've seen that. But if you really want to, to take the church and, and, and go out with it, then, then do the dangerous things. Do the things that, you know what, you're going to go out and they're probably going to fail. But you know what, you're going to learn from that failure and you're going to continue on. You know, do the things that, well, we've never done it that way. You know, as long, we're not talking about anything unbiblical. But, it's, you know, do the things that come outside the norms a little bit. You know, do the things that other people are not doing to, to grow the church. You know, to grow yourself. To reach out and, and, and grow other people. Because that, that, I think if we do this, if we could grab our, our heart, this, this, the truly in a heart way, and let God truly lead us, like he talks about there, then I really think we could just take off and, and do a whole lot more with it. <clears throat> I know if, as I've, it, it's been interesting as I've gone through a lot of these things and, and, read, and done a lot of these studies and teach these classes, I'll tell you the best thing, the best way to teach yourself is to teach a class. I've learned more in this past year of teaching this class and I think I've learned um, you know the, the 30 some years prior it seems like you, you do study a whole lot more and and so these are the type of things that we, we really need we need to expose our hearts to God and let him search us and lead us and get us there so this is the prayer for this week I, I go through this week and, and and do this prayer and I'm going to read it again one more time search me O God know my heart Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'm telling you, you, you pray this prayer. Wake up every morning and pray this prayer. And, and I would say go back through all the prayers that we've, we've gone through so far and, and pray those prayers every single day. And, and truly open yourselves up to the possibility of those prayers and just see and look for those, those situations, those things for it to change you because it will. There, there's a lot of things out there that 
mean, just praying these prayers will, will, will expose you to and open your heart up to. So that's the, the last one. Uh, next week, we are going to look at uh, Break Me, the prayer Break Me. Now, this is going to be different than the Break My Heart uh, prayer that we looked at last week, but the, we're going to look at the prayer of, Lord, break me, and, and we'll look at the reasons why around that. But a lot of times, we've, we've got to break ourselves in order to be the person that we're supposed to be for Christ. So that's our class for today. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who's joined us online. We'll be uh, live here in a minute uh, with our worship service.